This is Transmission, a bilingual digital marketing podcast presented by Alphaco Marketing and Media. Hello, and welcome to Transmission. I am joined, as has been the case thus far, by my esteemed colleague, Juan Pablo Osorio. Juan Pablo, how are you? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. And for all you out there tuning in, we hope you enjoy this episode. We have a good episode coming up. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. It's good to talk to you over the pod or during the pod again. It has been too long since we got together to record. Um, Really excited to dive back in and and talk about a little bit of branding today. Before we do, what have you been up to? Sir, I have been going to conferences, traveling, uh, went to San Antonio, Baltimore, and then I'll be going to St. Louis and headed over to San Diego. And then after that, I'm having a baby. Uh, you're trying to get all the travel in before, yes, huh? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's been good as far as like business development and networking. It's been a good year. You're really globetrotting, dude. I, I hope you're racking up those, uh, those airline miles. Man, I travel with different airlines. So it's like sp- <laughs> sprinkling points different places. Yeah, I mean, you got, they, that's how they get you. They want you to pick one. That's really cool. Do you have a, a favorite place you've been in the last couple of weeks? I think the, uh, my conference in San Antonio was really good because it was all veterans and I thrive around veterans, I guess. And, but Baltimore was really amazing. NMSDC, they know how to throw a conference. It's a four day thing. And every day you're in downtown Baltimore doing something else, whether it's on a boat or in a casino or the convention center. And it's all networking with professionals. Oh, amazing. Okay. That does sound awesome. Yeah. I, this is maybe not appropriate for the pod here, but I, I told a, a Marine joke to a group of hockey guys. And typically hockey guys can take a lot, but not a Marine joke. Um, no, it's, Marine jokes are special. You, got, you can only tell Marine jokes to other Marines for sure. Uh, <laughs> everybody kind of like, I, again, it's a, it's a pretty rough and tumble group, but they get, they get, like, their eyes got wide. They gave me the look like, oh, you said that. I was like, not my joke. <laughs> Is that my joke, joke I told you or no? Uh, no, it's not one you told me. Different, different Marine buddy. Um, definitely, I'll, I'll tell you off mic. Um, it's, it's not for, we don't want this recorded. Delete the servers. Um, yeah, I, travel has been on my agenda as well. Uh, the reason we had to pause the pod is I was off in Italy for about three weeks, which beautiful. Um, you know, lots to say and nothing specific or unique to say about Italy. But one thing that I learned about there while we were visiting the Colosseum that I thought was really, really interesting was the idea that um, in the Roman Empire, what they would do is they would actually use money as a means of, of propaganda or marketing because money was one of the like physical objects that was most widely circulated and reached the most number of people. They were constantly putting the emperor's face on it or, you know, uh, an important saying like unity for all or um, whatever the case was, they were transmitting that message with money because money was the best way to reach the largest number of people. Um, That to me is really interesting just because you don't, I don't know, I don't think about money that way. For that matter, I don't really touch physical money anymore at all. But the idea that money would be the thing that's most widely circulated and therefore what you want to use to, you know, brand yourself is a really fascinating concept to me. Yeah, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, uh, 
they the markets they would be uh, coin shops and they would sell German, British pounds, but old school like hundred from the from all the invasions. But the most sought after coin was one from Alexander the Great, where he's wearing like a horse. I mean, not a, a elephant, some regalia on his head, and and that coin was you could find that coin. You you're good. And imagine, like, in the U.S., we have, like, a, a, oh, 1965 coin. But here they have a a, a coin from the Greek times. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, that's, that's, that is wild. And it makes me think, I mean, setting aside how crazy it is, just how old history is, right? Like that, you know, Rome was founded over 2,000 years ago, um, you know, coming up on three. Um that's that's wild enough but then you look at today and you look at something like nfts nfts were trying to be branded money for a while um that stuff is still happening people are still looking at and thinking of ways to you know just use everyday items to brand or to market themselves um it's interesting it's something i I like to think about a lot and you know maybe not everybody got to see the emperor alexander the great but if you had the coin you feel like you're seeing him. Even I, when I saw the coin and I was like, oh, this is how he looked like, even though it's just a... So when it comes to branding, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because the emperor was able to brand his image and his coin throughout the empire. And you think about somebody like Alexander the Great too. I mean, his reputation is known everywhere and he touched a lot of, a lot of societies, a lot of people. And, you know, how much of his kind of standing reputation or even like the visual representations that we have of him came from just his face being stamped on some money you know uh that's really crazy that the way he sure he conquered all these people but the way he really expanded his reach was by putting his face on money and having everybody use his coin i think that's interesting man uh the the hercules with the lion and alexander the great with the elephant on the head is for me is unforgettable like those are things that I, and it, when it comes to branding like it's crazy. Two, three thousand years later, it's, it's still still working. The branding a coin. And I mean, you don't call him Alexander the Normal, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like his his branding worked really well. Like we still, it's it's twenty twenty three, and we're calling him Alexander the Great. <laughs> you know, like maybe I got to get my face on some money. Graham the Great's more illiterate. It sounds better anyway. Do the Graham NFT. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know what that would look like. Um, all right, let's get to our topic today. We've hinted around it a little bit, but the big topic for today is is branding. Um, I kind of want to start just talking about like what is branding. I think that it's it can be hard to describe just because there are so many marketing terms that are kind of kissing cousins of branding. You know, marketing, advertising, PR. All of these are kind of in in the mix. Uh, but Juan Pablo, I think one of your mentors, somebody that you really look up to, had a, a phrase that I thought really resonated as a, a, a definition for for branding. Yes, sir. I was going over uh, some of some of my um, preparing for this podcast, and um, I found from Marty Newmeyer, who's like a branding guru, and you can go take a course with him if you want or buy buy his books. But he says that um, the first thing the brand is not is a logo. So audience, be clear, your logo is not your brand. Second, brand is not an identity. Also, a brand is not a product, right? So not a logo, not an identity, 
not a product. So what exactly is a brand? And Marty says that branding is what a person's gut feeling about your product, service, or organization. It's what they say about you. It's not how you market yourself, what you have to say, or your logo, or your product. It's the space you occupy in the mind of your customers, whether it's one or a million. When you go ask, what do they say? There's a, a litmus test that you can try. And it's like, if you look at Nike, you can recognize the brand. If you look at a different pairs of shoes or you look at different marketing, you most likely will be able to know which the marketing or when you look at a product, you know which one is Apple, you know which one is Nike. And if you go ask a hundred people, most of them will have a similar gut feeling about what these brands are. The, the goal is that everybody is in sync with what your brand is. It shouldn't be like one person thinks that you're one thing and another person thinks you're another thing. Your brand should be so defined that even if it's one person, a hundred or a million, everybody has a general consensus about what your brand is. One of the things that you're saying that I, at least I'm kind of hearing and your brand is both, it is 100%, it's an idea, uh, but it's not necessarily an idea you can control. It's an idea you can influence, but it's an idea that once your customers, consumers writ large kind of get a hold of, they do formulate their own opinions and concepts of what your brand is. And the quote exactly from, from Marty Neumeyer is, your brand isn't what you say it is, it's what they say it is. And that is like really, really interesting to me how you have control over your brand, but not complete control because you are subject somewhat to what uh, what your audience thinks about what you're saying about your brand. Like you really do have to be specific about the messaging. Is that right? Yes. Yes, sir. You have control over like some actions and hopefully all those actions follow a strategy that communicate your brand. So, and it's something so valuable. So when people think of a product or service, they have a, we have a mental Rolodex and you can go category by category and most people would think of three brands you know you think of banks and it's like bank of america chase wells fargo a soda coke pepsi and and then and then another one um you think of a washing machine so our mind has a rolodex for each product category and it usually thinks about the top three brands so if your brand is able to get on that Rolodex with a clear definition of who you are, when people think of Juan Pablo and if they're able to really think, oh, this is who Juan Pablo is in my Rolodex and he's my top three for marketing or websites or SEO, uh, then I have been successful at that brand. But if, if I say Juan Pablo to my prospects and they are saying that the Marine, the hockey player, then I've been miscommunicating my brand as far as businesses, unless that's what I do. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, I, you know, we kind of touched on it there, but and I think, again, it's it's hard to describe. But why is branding so important? Is it just that you're building that like that kind of mental relationship with your prospects? Is it that, you know, now people recognize you? Like, what is it that's so valuable and so important about branding? Well, there's uh, uh, two things. One is filling up that space in somebody's mind that when they think of a certain product or service, that they think of you. And if it's a consensus, if you, everybody in the city knows that when Pablo is a digital marketing, then I have been successful at my brand, right? So that filling up that space in people's minds 
has a huge value because those brands that are make it to the top of people's minds, usually we call it cornering the market. And that usually means you probably are dominating the market share or have a good portion of it. So on the term of individual, it's like the space that fills on our mind and for the company is cornering a market or being their go-to company for a product or service category. Got it. Um, you know what? One of the things that I'm kind of hearing, and I want to talk a little bit about like when it's important to brand, um, but why is it important? What I think about always is, is it breaks down a barrier. You know, imagine meeting a new person and the first time you meet that new person, there is a little bit of, I, I wouldn't say anxiety, but a little bit of stress between you. You're kind of figuring each other out. You don't know each other that well. You've got to know, oh, where's he from? Where's she from? What is she like? Do they like me? Do I like them? And you're kind of doing this dance to figure each other out. Oftentimes the same thing is true of, of companies or of brands the first time you interact with them. So what does really good branding do and why is it important? Well, it totally removes that step. Coca-Cola never has to explain to me what Coca-Cola is or why I should think about a soda. You know, I you can envision a world where if somebody was raised in the jungle and had only drank water their whole life and then they showed up, it might take a lot of work to describe to them why Coca-Cola is, uh, what Coca-Cola is. But for everybody, else in the world basically you don't ever have to describe what coca-cola is because their brand is so strong and the same would you know for alphaco when we call people when we call on people i don't want them to say i want them to say oh you're the bilingual marketing agency not who are you because if they know we're the bilingual marketing agency well then you know we already have a foot in the door one thing that i wrote down as you were talking that i think really resonates with this idea is that people really like the familiar um, if something is familiar to them they're much more likely to purchase it. They're much more likely to engage with it. That's why oftentimes you'll see five commercials for a product and then finally you actually see that product. You're like, oh, I have heard of this. Maybe I will buy it. Whereas if it's something you've never ever heard of before, you're probably not gonna buy it at all. You may not even see it that first time. And then to answer my question to myself of specifically, when do you brand? The honest answer is the first time you start thinking about a company, you need to start thinking about the company's brand, and then you need to think about that brand every day thereafter. Um, one of the real key components to branding is consistency. You know, we talked early on about how you can kind of lose control of your brand. Your brand is not actually what you say, it's what people think about what you say. Well, how do we successfully influence what they think about? How do we make sure that they think what we want them to think? It's that we can't deviate from our message. It's that we need to be consistent. Uh, you know, thinking about our business, we constantly need to provide excellent customer service because customer service and value and appreciating our customers is part of our brand. It's part of the brand we talk about and what we communicate. Even if nine times out of 10, we're great, that one time we drop the ball, that kind of tightens our grip on our ability to control our brand. Somebody might leave us a bad review. That client, you know, at the end of the day, they, they'll remember that one bad thing more strongly than they remember that those nine good things and so consistency in what you do and what you say and how you act is a big part of your brand if you say that you're a philanthropic organization and every purchase you know you turn around and you donate half of that purchase to a great cause that you care about but then three years later somebody audits your books and they find out that you've not been donating any of that money to that cause your brand is destroyed right because you weren't acting consistent consistently with who you said you were and so for me when do you brand all the time 
but consistently. You need to live your brand and your brand should be a representation of, of who you as a company want to be or who the leaders of your company want you to be. I had a, a, a mentor talk about a, the platform. When you, when you start a business, you're building a platform that that you kind of you stand on and that platform includes multiple things one is your logo one is your product and service one is your promise and are you fulfilling on that promise and then you have other uh, your strategy so when do you start branding when you start building your business you start building a platform that, re that is a promise and if if you fulfill that promise over and over with consistency, then you're building a platform that represents your brand. I love thinking about that way. It's a promise that you have to fulfill every day. I really, really like that way of thinking about it. It's like your your brand is the promise that you make to your customers and to yourself on day one, and then you have to keep that promise over and over again. Such a smart way to think about you that. You know, you think about uh, head and shoulders. You know, uh, when you use the head and shoulders. There's a promise that it's going to do something to your hair. We have dry scalp or whatever. The moment that stops working, head and shoulders will, like you say. Right, 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 right. What is, what is it even doing? Right. You made me think for a second. I was having some dandruff here. Um, so I want to. I want to talk a little bit about like where to start when you're thinking about your brand or you're conceptualizing your brand or even if you have to rebrand. Um, we aren't really talking about rebranding today, but but in short, rebrands are necessary if you want to make a change to how your audience sees you um, is the simplest term. You know, that's very interesting because you can rebrand and companies have rebranded like Starbucks, Coke, Apple. You can go look at the history of the logo, but the promise has prevailed a good cup of coffee regardless if the logo it's modern or antique the promise is the same i think i may have talked about this on a, a past pod so i apologize to the listeners if i'm repeating myself but when i think about like a rebrand i think about overstock.com so overstock.com very recently bought all of the distressed assets of bed bath and beyond um, overstock.com was actually a great company performing very well but they wanted to get away from the idea of being um of basically of overstock they wanted to get away from the idea of being like a second hand or a secondary product and so with the bed bath and beyond brand they were able to basically say no we are a first run shop um and Bed Bath & Beyond had a much better brand. There were some other things that happened with Overstock where their founder had to go and he had said some things that were inconsistent with that brand. So they needed a rebrand and what they did was they became Bed Bath & Beyond. They took the Bed Bath & Beyond brand but used the Overstock products. The promise remained the same, but they're using a different name to deliver on that promise. And that's really interesting to me. Man, that's another thing that fascinates me is how that you have some brands that are so powerful that even their management is mismanaging companies. And one of my best examples is Toys R Us. All the stores have been closed, but the value of the Toys R, Toys R Us name and brand is billions of dollars. Just the name alone. And I know uh, last Christmas they opened up uh, pop-up shops around the country. And it's like all it would take is another company to buy Toys R Us and start pushing it. And we already identify with it. This whole generation knows what Toys R Us is. Even if they're mismanaging their company, even they close the stores. If I walk in a mall with my kids and I see that they open up a pop shop that's Toys R Us and I'm with my kids, where's a one way going in? <laughs> 
we could i mean we could have a long conversation about and i it's always fascinating to me when the strength of a brand outlasts the strength of a management team it happens more often than you'd think but there are there's there are plenty of companies with i mean blockbuster think about blockbuster right people still know what blockbuster is if i said if i put the word blockbuster on a storefront people would come in looking for vhs's right like that is what people are looking for but management in the industry moved past that company and that to me is really fascinating they, when i was in my accounting classes i asked this being a marketer i I said, so how do you value when you sell a company? How do you put, how do you itemize the value of your brand? And uh, they call it uh, something to do with, with uh, uh, f a good faith or yeah, goodwill. goodwill. Yeah. Goodwill. And when you look at the 10K or the financial sheet and you look at goodwill, it's like, a billion dollars yeah yeah I, I used to love that I, I had to do some valuations and it would be like well if i value the cash flows of this company it's worth negative one billion dollars but then i'm going to add a line item in here at the bottom that says goodwill name and it's worth eight billion dollars and it's like so how much is the company worth eight billion minus one <laughs> Exactly. It's like the, the name is worth way more than the cash flow. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and this led to a long discussion when we were uh, talking about it. And I realized that uh, it's discretionary. Uh, although, you know, evaluators, they, they're going to put some math and numbers behind it. But if you buy a company, you can negotiate on what the brand value is. So I think it's fascinating. Absolutely. All right. Really quickly, I want to talk a little bit about where to start. The biggest thing for me on where to start is just know your audience. Know who it is that you want to work with you. Who do you want your partners to be? Your audience, your clients, your customers, um, they are partners to you, even if you don't think of them that way. And so that's number one. What to think, what to kind of conceptualize when you're building your brand for online. We are really online oriented. And so one of the things I think about is how is this going to work if my audience lives online? You you know, sometimes audiences, they want to interact with you and that you are primarily an offline business. And I think that takes a, def a different type of branding. I'm trying to think of a really good example of like a true online product. Man, this is old school. This may show my age, but like Bonobos was originally an example of a very online product. And they, they steered into that where if you went to their store, their stores didn't allow you to buy anything. You could only try on your clothes there and then you had to buy them online. That was part of being being an online business and that was part of the brand that they were building was that when you come into these stores you try them on and then we fit you perfectly and then we mail it to you the storefront is not a key element of our our online business other things to think about, you know, certainly we can get into logos, we can get into colors, we can get into what channels you want to use. But the best place to start is who is your audience? What is your audience like? Where does your audience live? And then build a brand that that you know, speaks to that audience, but also speaks to who you are. Again, consistency is key. If you hate the internet, don't build an online company. It just makes sense. Um, and then the last thing to think about when you're you're really starting starting a brand is what do I want this to be in five years? You know, today, tomorrow is part of it, but where do I want this thing to go? And, you know, I always go back to the kind of the famous quote of dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Today, you might only have one client and, you know, you might, your business might be doggy daycare, but if in the future you want to be a, you want to become the next Rover, well, you need to start out being Rover. Don't start a daycare center and then try and become an online matching platform. 
be the online matching platform because that you can grow into that outfit. Last thing I think we wanted to talk about today, Juan Pablo, you wanted to talk a little bit about bilingual branding. I know we're running out of time here, so I want to give you some space for that. Yes. So I have a philosophy and when I speak at conferences, I, my big message is that your brand should be a polyglot. Your, and that means that your brand should speak multiple languages. In the United States, since we have such a huge population of uh, Spanish speakers, of course, uh, Alphaco is a bilingual marketing agency and we help companies communicate in English and Spanish. But like you said, you have to know your audience. So if you have a product or service in an area where there's a heavy population of people who speak another language, then it's behoof of your brand to communicate in those multiple languages. People of different ethnic backgrounds and the people that speak different languages, we have similar issues. You know, we, we use similar products. So why not communicate that brand in multiple languages? And today with doing it online, you can actually target it base on the settings of the user. So if a, if a person has a settings of their browser settings in Spanish, and you know that in your city, 30, 40% of the population has their browsing in Spanish, then it's probably good for you to run those ads, those uh, have your social media and your website in Spanish and English. But it, it really has to do with with your audience. And if, if you serve an audience, you know, I'll give an example. Abogado Ali is one of our clients that dominates SEO here in Houston. And um, about five years ago, we said we're going to do all Spanish SEO, 100%. And uh, Houston is 45% Hispanic. And just through that strategy, although he speaks English, his staff speaks English, you can walk in there and do business in English. But because he is in an area was predominantly Hispanic. He has been able through that brand. He has the most cases for his specific law type that he practices in Harris County. You go to Harris County, who has the most family law cases? It, it's it's that Abogado Ali because of that brand doubling down, and it's all purely digital. I mean, once you walk in, you can walk in or do a virtual visit, but the search getting a consultation, everything's done online and it's done in a language that their customers speak. When we talk about different languages, when we talk about different messages, you know, how do I make my brand be consistent in English and Spanish? How do I make my brand be consistent on Twitter and TikTok? How do I make my brand be consistent in person and on my website, you know, I think that the the answer there is to distill your brand down to its purest form. Think about not what is the message. Don't think about, you know, how do I want to communicate this? Let's take Nike, for example. When we talk about their brand, just do it is not the brand. Just do it is messaging. The brand is athleticism. The brand is athletics right? That is a distilled version of that brand. They have all sorts of other things. They, you know, they have many, many different sports that Nike makes clothes for. The brand is athletics though. And so if you can distill your brand into its purest form, it becomes really easy to translate across multiple languages, across multiple channels, across multiple messaging types. Um, any last thing on, on branding? I feel like we're just scratching the surface here today, but anything else you wanted to say before we close up? Yes, and this is something tactical, uh, but um, build your brand guidelines. Once you have your logo and your promise and your values, build your brand guideline and the brand guidelines should have the colors of your company, your, your tone of voice, who your audience is, your values. 
and with that brand guideline no matter if you're doing print online or multiple languages if you stick to your brand guidelines uh you will have consistency and i've learned the major corporations hire team members that all they do is protect their logo and their brand they're going through the company and making sure that everything that gets published online or offline is consistent with the promise, the values and the, and, and the brand. I, I love that. And just to double down on that, you know, your brand is not just for your marketing team. It is not just it is not just what you market. Your brand is how your community, your customer service people act, how your sales people act, how your CEO acts. Your brand is about the company in its entirety. And that consistency is not just in your marketing messaging. It is in how you deliver product. It is how you treat your clients. All of that is a part of the brand. Um, okay. We always like to sign off and just talk a little bit about what pop culture you're engaging with that is relevant to marketing. I'm going to be super basic. I jumped on the suits train this summer with, I guess, everybody else it's taken me forever i might not finish but i have been watching a lot of suits and the one thing that i think about when i watch suits that's related to marketing is literally the name the name of that show is suits and those characters are always in suits that is like it is very 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 consistent about what you're gonna get you are gonna get people in suits taking that one step further what i really think about when i, I look at people in suits is that those are people who understand branding they understand personal branding the reason why you know a high-powered attorney would be in a suit 95 percent of the day is that Everywhere they go, they need people to consistently see them as the brand that they're portraying, which is high-powered attorney. I think we see iterations of this all over the world. You know, I, I think that you see it in how athletes dress and how influencers dress, act, where they go. Personal branding is definitely something that's becoming more and more important. But I think that personal branding is a really easy lens to see and understand professional and corporate branding as well. What about you, Juan Pablo? Man, I was going to talk about this uh, book that I'm reading, but um, you made me think of uh, this fight that I watched this weekend uh, with Fra Francis Ngano and Tyson Fury. And um, here you have a heavyweight champion of one uh, a sport, MMA, decides to go to boxing. And in one fight, he has built his brand uh, the next he has the next 10 years secure to be to be in boxing. Uh, and it's just like the warrior, the story, his brand as a fighter, even though fighting against the UFC for contracts and all of that, he was able to uh, maintain the, the hearts of the people and continue to occupy that space in people's heads as the world champ. Uh, even though he lost, even though he lost a contract and he lost the last fight in the hearts and the minds of the population fighters are <laughs> the best branders aren't they like fighters are just some of the best personal branders on earth yes and you know world champion like yeah, yeah still right <laughs> yeah right, and right, you right. think about mike tyson and it's like he he's fighter uh despite all the ups and downs his branding prevailed as something that people respect and want to be associated with. Absolutely, man. This has been a really fun pod. I'm glad we're, we're kind of back in the saddle here. It's been too long since we've done this. For all our listeners out there, we will be more consistent with this moving forward. Like and subscribe on, on Apple or Spotify. Um, you can find us on social media. You can definitely follow our, our LinkedIn, just AlphaCo Marketing or Alpha Company Marketing, I believe, on, on LinkedIn. You can also find us on, on Instagram. And then finally, visit our website, alphacomarketing.com. Um, and this has been Graham and Juan Pablo in Transmission. Thank you guys. See you next time. Mm -hmm.